0: Some of the things we're going to look at today, you know, okay. So this is not new. In fact, probably most of everything we've ever taught on this, you know, you know about it. But I have so a few things I wanted to highlight toward the end. But let me remind. Let's start it this way: Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, walked on the earth for 40 days, met with the disciples, and then ascended into heaven. And uh, the disciples then went and began to proclaim Christ and that uh, they got arrested and, and uh, they were brought before the religious leaders and they said, we always obey God rather than men. And in um, Acts chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, in Acts chapter 4, they arrested them. And, <clears throat> and let me put this up for you. It says, on the next day after being arrested, They brought together religious leaders. So the religious leaders came together to basically get on to Peter and those kind of things. And here's what Peter said, because they had healed this man in Jesus' name. And here's what Peter said. He said, we did not heal this man, but Jesus healed this man. And then he says, and you crucified him, and God raised him from the dead. And then he makes this statement that ties into what we're studying. Look at this, Acts chapter 4, verse 11. He is the stone. Peter is saying this. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but became the chief cornerstone. That's who he is. He's the cornerstone. He's the chief one. And Peter, very soon after Jesus has gone into heaven, and he's standing there, and he talks about this man being healed, and how Jesus died and rose again. And he said, he's the stone. Jesus is the one you rejected. And he's the chief cornerstone. And then So vital because here's the next verse. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we might be saved. Think about that. He is the groom, He is the the head, He's the great high priest, He's the vine, He is the stone the cornerstone. That's who he is. And so, he is the key. He is the key for salvation. Think about this. Jesus the key for salvation, being the cornerstone of the building, which is the church and every believer. What are we? We're the building blocks. Now, I want you to think about that because when, when, when you think about yourself, we think two different ways. We say individually, I'm, I'm a child of God and I'm in the body of Christ. But I'm a, and then he takes us and he puts us all together and says, you... Plural are the body, and you, plural, are the building. And that's what we've been seeing in this. We're the different blocks that make up the building. Let me give you the outline of what we've been looking at. Last time we talked about the description of the building, Christ being the rock and we being the building. And then we looked. This is what we saw last time. It's been two or three weeks ago. But he's the cornerstone and the contrast between how God looks at him and how man looks at him, and then the decision, either he's the cornerstone or the stumbling stone. And this morning, we're going to look at the church, the building, we're going to look at us, and we're going to look at us individually, but as a corporate group, and we're going to talk about the spiritual sacrifices in our growth. And see, a lot of this you know and that's why we just want to remind you of this. So let's start with, remember, this is the review. Who is Christ? He is the cornerstone. Believers are the church of the building blocks. That's who we saw. And then this whole thing fits together in Ephesians 2.19. We are God's building, Christ being the corner, cornerstone. And that's what I think so is amazing. It says, let me just read this to you. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. You're fellow citizens with the saints and your God's household, your God's house building, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but Jesus Christ Himself is the cornerstone. So we never want to take this for granted that every one of us in this room who know Christ as Savior, we're all together, individually and corporately, that make up this this building, and Jesus is the cornerstone of the building. And so we saw last time about Christ being the cornerstone. We said in Psalm 118, the cornerstone would be rejected. By people. And in in, in 1 Peter 2, 4, men reject, but God sees him as choice and precious. And then we saw last time the two ways to look at Jesus Christ. If you trust Christ, he is your cornerstone. If you reject Christ, he is the stumbling stone. Now think about that. There are people all over this world that they stumble over Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter said on that day, on that, day that he's meeting with the religious leaders. He said, you rejected him, you, and you, he has become the cornerstone. So he is either the cornerstone or he's the stumbling stone. And we talk to people every day. You do. You talk to people. You see people. And they don't have a clue. And when you talk about Jesus, they say, oh, I don't want to talk about anything religious like that. They don't see Jesus as the, the, the cornerstone of the whole thing and that he's the savior of the world and that everything comes back from him. They see him as something they just trip over. They stumble over him. They reject him. Rejected by men, he is the stone stone. Trusted, he is the cornerstone. With that in mind, I just want to hit this next part, and that's, that's us. This is the building. Now, look at this. This is 1 Peter 2, 5. He says, you also as living stones. So that's what you are. We're all living stones. We're, we're little blocks. <laughs> if anybody calls you a blockhead. Well, that's what we are. We're blocks. And so we're living stones, and then we're being built up as a spiritual house. What do we call the spiritual house? What? The church. The church. Exactly. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the branches. The church is the bride. I mean, you go down the list, that's who we are. And so we're, we're the spiritual house. So there is a spiritual temple. And, and this is where we talked about the difference. You individually are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Corporately, all of us are the temple of God and Jesus Christ indwells in us, and He is the cornerstone, and we're the blocks. And that's what He's talking about. So you can't, you, got, you got, to under, got to grasp that because we all say to ourselves, oh, yeah, yeah, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in me, Holy Spirit lives in me. But at the same time, we don't always recognize that each individual block, we come together to form a spiritual temple, a spiritual house. That's why he says, a spiritual... I don't think that's going to work. It just barely comes up there. There it is. You are living stones upon a spiritual house. That's what we do. That's who we are, a spiritual house. And so each believer is a living stone added to the building. That's what we are. And that's why 1 Corinthians... Here's what's so amazing when you really study it. In 1 Corinthians 6, 3.16, it's a plural there. It's not individual. He says, What do you not know that you are the temple of God? And it's plural. He's not talking about individuals there. He's talking about all of us together are the temple of God. We're a set apart priesthood to God. We're the building. We're the house. That's who we are. And then he says, In which we offer, in First Peter, he says, We offer spiritual sacrifices. Now, we've done a whole study on this before. But I want to remind you this, and I'm going to go through it quickly, and then we can, and when we get through with this little part, which you all know, we can be sure and, and go on to the, to the grow group or whatever we want to do. But I want to remind you that every one of us in this room, we offer sacrifices. <clears throat> the class I'm going to be teaching this fall, um, excuse me, this, this semester, this coming semester, is called 12 Biblical Truths That Every Christian Must Understand. And one whole lesson is going to be talking about sacrifices. Because if you ask the normal Christian, do we offer sacrifices today, what do people say? What do you say? Do we offer sacrifices today? You'd say, well, no, because under the Mosaic law, and all they offered sacrifices. I said, well, they offered sacrifices before the Mosaic law. You know, Cain and Abel offered sacrifices, and Noah offered sacrifices, and Abraham offered sacrifices. Under the Mosaic law, they offered sacrifices. Jesus is the final sacrifice for sin forever. But guess what? We offer sacrifices, but they're not for sin, and we don't offer animals. And so that one of the lessons that we're going to look at in that study is dealing with this whole idea of the sacrifices. And I want you to think about it. What are the spiritual sacrifices that we offer? Because what if, some, if you were by yourself and somebody came to you and said, somebody told me that as a Christian we offer spiritual sacrifices, what would you say? Yeah, would you say yes? Yeah, yeah. You say, yeah, yeah, spiritual sacrifices. We do. And then if somebody say, well, what are those spiritual sacrifices? What would you say? Would you know? Here's the first one. It's ourselves. We've talked about this many times, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy what? Sacrifices to God. Is that a living sacrifice or a dead sacrifice? That's a living one. The old saying used to be the, the problem with living sacrifices, they keep crawling off the altar. And that's That's true. And so the, we are living sacrifices. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Not animals. We don't break animals. We're not under a sacrificial system in that sense. We offer spiritual sacrifices because what are we? We're part of the spiritual house and spiritual priest, and we're the building blocks as we build up this thing. And so we offer spiritual uh, sacrifices. We offer ourselves Now, here's what's so amazing. If you remember the verse, he says, I beseech you, brother, and mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then he says, and stop being conformed to this world and be transformed. And so I put this up always. If we're not consciously being transformed by the word of God, we will unconsciously be conformed to this world. Now, this is something that when we talk about offering our lives, That's why there's a point in our lives that you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. What does it cost you to have eternal life? What does it cost you to have eternal life? Absolutely nothing. It is by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So to have eternal life costs us absolutely nothing. But when you offer yourself as a sacrifice, what does it cost you? It costs you everything, it costs you your life, you're dying. You're living and dying at the same time. You say to God, I give you my life. I want to live for you. And it's, and it's not an easy thing to do. It's you saying that wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I want to live for you. I want my life to count for you. I want to use the gifts to house and abilities you've given me. I want to use the possessions. I want to use everything you've given me. I want that to be for your honor and your glory. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room has offered your life as, a, as the sacrifice to God, that you said to him, I want my life to count for you. And Paul says, now you got to be careful because when you do that, you're you're supposed to live for Christ. And so you got to be careful because you got to stop Being conformed to this world, and you got to be transformed by the renew your mind, which is the Word of God. That's why I say, if you're not consciously being transformed by the Word, that means you memorize, that means you read it, that means you study it, that means you apply it, that means you know it, that means you're, you're taking it and applying it in your life. If you're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to this world. The world has its values, its shapes. And I mean, I watch Christians all the time see things that... 30 years ago, if you saw that, you would be repulsed by it. Nowadays, they don't even bat an eye. They don't even bat an eye. Because our culture is slowly warping even the believers. We're being conformed to this world. Just the values of the world, and, and and it just is so easy to let it shape us. And so we have to consciously, be transformed by the word of God. So when you offer your life, and I hope and pray, every one of you have, this has nothing to do with salvation. This has to do with service, and this has to do with rewards. And if you want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, you need to come to the point where you say to God, I want my life to count for you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. My life is yours. I will live for you. I'll take take everything and say, Lord, it is yours. I give you my life. When you do that, your life will never be the same. You will grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. You will be used by him. There will be things happening in your life you will never imagine. You will look back and he will do things in your life beyond what you could ask or imagine. And so the very first sacrifice that we offer as spiritual blocks in the big house (laughs) is ourselves. And the second one is, is an easier one. It's easier because this one costs you a really lot. This one is praise and thanksgiving. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then... Let's offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. The fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. When you say, thank you, Lord. When you say, hallelujah. You know what hallelujah means, right? What does it mean? Hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. Hallel. Hallel is the Hebrew word for praise. Yah is Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So when you, you may not know it, but you know Hebrew, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. You know Hebrew. Amen. Hebrew is amen. I mean, amen is a Hebrew word. Transliterated into Greek, transliterated into English. So you guys know at least two Hebrew words right now, right? So when you say, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you do. Do you thank him? Think about all the stuff that he does every day, all the time, for you and for me and sometimes we just go through life as if it's nothing. And he says, you can offer a, a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of the lips that gives thanks to his name. What well, would be good today, what if you go home this afternoon and take a sheet of paper and say, I'm going to write down all the things that I'm thankful for, and then I'm going to write down all the things that he did for me yesterday and today. You might miss supper, right? Yeah, yeah, because there's so much there. And so one of the sacrifices that we offer is praise. So when, you, <coughs> when you're singing those songs, when we're praising God, when we come together corporately, and I have people say, oh, you don't have to go to church. No, no, of course you don't. You don't have to do anything, you know? But isn't it great to get with fellow believers and praise the name of our Savior? to lift up your voices in praise and adoration. That's a sacrifice. The third one is good works, to do good. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Good works is a, is a sacrifice. Doing good is a sacrifice. Now, I want, you, I want you to understand something. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For by grace you have been saved, singular, through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's that's singular. Then he gets to verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship. That's plural. He switched from you individually saved by grace through faith to we corporately are to do good works. That's what we're to do. So we're to do good works. We, the body of believers, are God's workmanship to do good works, which he planned beforehand that we should be doing those. Galatians 6.10 says, do good to all men. And then he clarifies it, especially the household of faith. He says, do good to all people, especially the fellow believers. Especially the fellow believers. Wow. Well, here's the last one. Sharing and giving. Ooh, ooh. That's going to cost you a little. (laughs) The first one costs you. The second one is, uh, you know, is just saying stuff, which is great. The third one is doing things, but this one is actually giving things, Here and giving. He says, I've received everything in full. The Philippians sent to Paul a bunch of stuff. We don't know what it was. May have been money, may have been food. He says, I've received everything in full, and I have amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, that's the guy they sent, what you have sent, what you sent is a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. So when you give, when you give to others, when you do things like that, you're, that's a sacrifice as well. And so we get to offer sacrifices. And, I mean, it's just amazing. And so we, we sacrifice by offering our lives, our praise, our good works, and our giving, and giving and sharing. That's what he actually says talk about sharing. He says it in another place. So the building grows. How? How does this building grow? It's evangelism. He says, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of the Spirit of God in the Spirit. What's the dwelling place of God in the Spirit? What is that? What is that? Don't be afraid. It's the church. That's us, right? Aren't we being built together in a dwelling place whom the whole building with the what? With the building blocks of the building, being fitted together is growing into a holy temple of the Lord. Are you individually... The body of the Holy Holy Spirit lives in you individually? How about corporately, are we the temple of God in which he dwells within us? Right? Because he's the cornerstone. And what are we? We're the blocks. We're the building blocks. So let's talk real quickly about this whole idea of evangelism. What is evangelism? Because we got to grow it up. And this is something every one of us in this room knows. We've taught it many times. I teach it in membership training. We teach it in almost every class. It's taught in the 412. It's taught from the pulpit. It's everything. It's this whole idea of spreading the message of Jesus Christ. And so there are three aspects. There's the message, the response, and the offer. The message is called the gospel. Let's talk about it for a second. The message, the response, and the offer. Now, I, want to, I want you to understand something. You know this, but about 98% of the people in this world do not know what we're talking about right here. And this is the most important message of all, and people are unclear on it. What is the message? The message is called the gospel. The message of the gospel is that Jesus died and rose again, and paying for sin and conquering death. He died on the cross to pay for sins. He rose again to conquer death, rose again the third day, death and resurrection, paying for our sins and conquering death. That's the, the gospel. That is the message. You tell people, what did Jesus do? He died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. Okay? What is the response? What do we want people to do? We want them to believe to believe in Jesus Christ. Romans 1 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Acts 16 31, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. John three sixteen. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. John five twenty four. truly, truly, I say to you who hears my word and believes him who sent me. There are 100, actually 98 places in the gospel of John in which he says, you are saved by faith. There's over a 160 places in the New Testament that says you are saved by faith. The response is to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, what is the offer? Because Jesus died and rose again to pay for our sin, we're to believe. But what is the offer that he's offering us? He is offering us eternal life. Understand that. The offer is eternal life. You're believing in Christ for what? Eternal life. He died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. And by the way... He did that for every person. He paid for every person's sin, and he conquered death for every person. That does not bring salvation. Salvation comes by faith, and we're trusting God to give us what? Eternal life. Just remember that. Most people don't understand this. I just was reading this morning, reading this morning a little, a little book, and he was talking about salvation, and it was so confusing, I couldn't even understand what he was trying to say. See, if we get to tell people about salvation, we tell them that God so loved the world that he gave his son to die and rise again that whosoever would believe in him, that's the response, would never perish but have what? Eternal life, that's the offer. So John 3.16 is the message as he gave the son to die and rise again, the response is to believe in him and the offer is to have eternal life. That is our message. And it is that simple. And people have confused it and they use all kinds of other words that nobody even knows what they mean, and they don't even know what they mean because they've heard them all their lives. And they've never taken the time. Never taken the time. Wow. So, this last relationship Christ is the cornerstone, the builders, the believers, we're the building blocks, and the emphasis is evangelism. Okay, so before we break to go to our grow groups, let me give you, and, and by the way, we'll, we'll come back next week and we'll put all of these seven, build, uh, these seven relationships together, see how they flow, get some good ideas, Some think about some things, and then we'll start the life of Paul. But <clears throat> let me give you some applications just on this part, and that is let's realize that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone The foundation of the building, the church. Now, we know that in one place he talks about the foundation of the church is the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So he is the foundation along with the apostles and the prophets. And he is the cornerstone, the foundation of the building. Let's understand that we are the temple of God, the building blocks of the church. So, and just like the Holy Spirit indwells each one of us individually being the temple of God, then God himself and the Holy Spirit indwells us corporately as the church, the body of Christ, the building, the holy temple of God. That's really basically what it is. We, you know, you, you, let me just say something. We've heard this all your lives, and, and we've heard the word sanctuary. And people call this room the sanctuary. They say, Where, where's your sanctuary? I would say, right here, I think, is mine. It is right here. Because sanctuary means the dwelling place of God. That's what it means. There are two Greek words for, for temple. One is naos, which means the inner place, and then there's word hieron, which means the outer place. And when he tells your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, he uses naos. Your body has God living inside of him. You are the sanctuary. This is an auditorium. And see, it's amazing to me that throughout history, everybody, they think this is, a, this is a sanctuary. This is not a sanctuary. I mean, we take all these chairs up and eat in here and throw stuff and fall down and everything. The, the sanctuary is, is us. And so we have to understand that we, not only individually, have God living inside of us, but corporately, we become the temple of God and he dwells inside of us. The third one is, let's understand that those who reject Jesus, he is the stumbling stone. But to those who believe in him, He is the cornerstone. And that's what he says in Peter. Now, I didn't take the time today to read it all because we looked at it last time, but that's the bottom line. Jesus Christ, whoever rejects him, they stumble over him. But whoever believes in him, he is the cornerstone. He is the savior. He is the rock. And so with this in mind, let's be clear on our salvation message so that we can help build up the temple of God, the living Stones. Because, see, we, we help build the temple up by, as we lead people to Christ, we're adding building blocks to it. And, uh, and we offer, we get to offer spiritual sacrifices. But it is amazing to me, and, and you've, we've, we've done this, you've been with, with us for a long time, we'll have a membership training and we'll ask somebody, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? And they go, yes. And you say, why? And they can't tell you why. They can't give you the answer they say, because I believe in Jesus. And I say, believe what? What do you believe? It is amazing how many people have been into church all their lives and they don't even know the message. If they don't even know the message, how are they going to tell somebody else the message? And if they're so confused on the message, what are they going to do when they tell somebody else? Confuse them as well. So we must know the gospel, know the response, and know the offer. He so loved the world, he gave his son to die and rise again. That's the message. Here's the response. Whoever would believe in him would never perish but have. What's the offer? Eternal life.